1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
0: Here we go, pod number seven on the Believe Kingdom of Pod Boise State football podcast. Jeff Caves here coming to you. From Flower Mound, Texas, living here now, of course, talking Boise State football, was able to take in the Boise State Utah State win over Albertson uh, at Albertson Stadium. Like just like the rest of us, Uh, it did strike me as I watched the game last week that you know not only for myself, uh, which was one of the things I considered, but for a lot of you listening, there was a lot of streaks that came to an end. Uh, Think of all the people that have been to Albertson Stadium for Boise State home football games on a consecutive game basis. Some people, years, decades. I couldn't remember the last time that I wasn't at a Boise State home football game. That doesn't mean I didn't miss one or two. I just never noted it to memory. I just have been to not only home but road games as well for a long time. And I wonder how many of you were in the same situation. It was definitely odd, and let's hope this all comes to a quicker conclusion uh, whenever the people that are in charge uh, decide that to happen. I'm not going to get involved in the uh, political conversations uh, surrounding uh, all of that. But let's get to some of the bigger news right now, of course, surrounding the athletic director's position that's going to be open at Boise State. Uh, Some of the latest news there, plus a review about what happened over the last – uh, weekend in the Mountain West Conference. And then Tom Mason is going to join me. I uh, visited with Mace once before. He's the former Boise Stent uh, defensive coordinator who's coached in college football for thirty some over 30-some years. And we're going to break down the Air Force offense, including uh, why not defense but offense is the key to defeating Air Force. And some of the rules changes that Mason fought for. That could have ultimately killed off a lot of the Academy's offensive attacks and Air Force. Plus, I'll break down the game here on the Kingdom of Pod Boise State uh, football podcast. Uh, But let's get to the news that everybody, I think, is wondering about. What's the status about the search for the athletic director at Boise State? Of course, it was about a week ago that Kurt Apsey uh, resigned and took a position in the fundraising department for the university at large. Uh, Not many more details, at least publicly, have come out about that situation at all from either the university or uh, Kurt Apsey himself has not spoken, so there's just no distractions to what is already a very distracting football season for Boise State. I do think, from what I have been able to gather behind the scenes, that uh, this position from Dr. Trump's perspective is going to go through a, a search process and Once word has gotten out now, I'm sure there are not only candidates that have forwarded resumes or started to get in touch with anybody that they know that knows Dr. Trump, uh, but then search firms start getting cranked up and seeing if they can provide candidates and services. And consultants sometimes, headhunters uh, can come out and start pursuing uh, these types of opportunities with Dr. Trump. So I think she understands. Most or all of that, and so takes it all in, and at the same time, I think we all have to understand the situation that Boise State is really in uh, trying to emerge from covid uh, like any other school, uh, still battling and fighting to to get that done, and they don't know their economic uh, future they don't understand what they can really count on in the next year and let's you know kurt's salary is still on the books through June of two thousand twenty one so I think that has to play into it at some point with the kind of economics we're dealing with today, uh, that they're going to have to take that time period to readjust and then have somebody come on maybe July 1st of 2021, at least officially, and then informally they can name them perhaps uh, a bit sooner. But no other news publicly about the candidates or the process. Uh, I think we'll hear something in about 30 days as they start cranking it up as it relates to COVID and what's happening in the treasure Valley specifically, we know the governor has went back to stage three in Idaho and that's one set of rules for Albertson stadiums folks to operate under. But the bottom line is that the city of Boise and the Ada County and the rest of them still have a lot of input. And that's what's stopping fans from being able to get into the stands and parents and that's just become a mess and until things change I don't really see uh, many efforts that are going to do anything different than where we are right now so for now uh, that's where we are. If we go back and look at some of the interesting news from the Mountain West Conference over the weekend uh, don't forget you can get over to betonline.ag right now and you can sign up get some great sign up bonuses betonline.ag is the way to go to bet on your favorite Uh, college football teams, pro football teams. Uh, There's all other kinds of gambling that are there. And so get over there and sign up today. Get those bonuses at betonline.ag. You know, if you get over there right now, uh, you may look at the Boise State Air Force line. I've seen it as high as 14. Depends on when you get over there to betonline.ag. But I think Boise State wins a game that's within the 14-point spread. So I would take those points in the Air Force. But, of course, I'm the one that said go ahead and take the points in Air For- uh, Utah State last week, so that's not necessarily anything you want to take to the bank. Just take it to betonline.ag. Well, speaking of the Mountain West Conference, a couple of new coaches are going to face each other, so somebody's going to get a win. Kalen DeBoer from Fresno State, uh, Adazio from Colorado State. Uh, this game will happen Thursday night, and – this is a good game for you to be tuning into to get a little handle on a better handle at least on Colorado State. They'll be taking on Boise State on the 12th of November. This coach is the coach from Boston College who has prepared uh, for Boise State in that first responders bowl that never happened. So Adazio has some familiarity with the Broncos. Uh, Pretty interesting situation that unfolded there in Fort Collins. Uh, Adazio was fired at Boston College. Eleven days later, he was hired at Colorado State. Urban Meyer was involved in the search and liked Adazio and was instrumental in him getting that position. So that's what's, you know, that's what took place. Uh, since then, uh, if it isn't COVID, which has cost Colorado State ten to fifteen players out a day the last two weeks, or a canceled game against New Mexico. It's been an investigation that was launched into how Adazio and his staff were handling the Colorado State players, and there was racial bias and other uh, abusive type of tactics they were accused of, and it proved out to be not true, that it wasn't rampant. Perhaps it was just isolated. So take a look at that game. Uh, Adazio and Boise State will be playing in just a couple of weeks. I think it's interesting on the island. Hawaii may have something going. Uh, their quarterback, uh, Cordero, Chevin Cordero is now 5-0 and as a starter. He not only threw for 229 yards, but I think is dangerous or more dangerous. He ran for 116 yards and two touchdowns. And so now this Boise State road trip over to the island looks even a little bit tougher with all the COVID and all the travel concerns of flying to Hawaii uh, that now is a game you may want to circle as being a lot more tougher than anticipated, but th- that is, you won't even get odds on that at betonline.ag because with COVID and this particular season, I don't think we should read too much in, in, into down the road. You, you You better let the road get there before you start worrying about it because too many things can change right now that are out of anybody's control that really don't have – Anything to do with injuries. It's a little early in the season on one hand, but it isn't on the other because, after all, it's almost November and UNLV and Nevada are going to play. Yeah, they're going to have a couple thousand fans there in the new Allegiant Stadium there at the uh, Las Vegas Raiders Stadium. It's Halloween night. Could be interesting to see how it goes. If you're bored to be flipping back and forth, you can check it out. Uh, this is a bad UNLV football team. In their first game against San Diego State, they allowed 14 tackles for loss. That's something that's extremely difficult to turn around when you have that many holes in your offensive line and your protection packages. And That's just a lot of work for Marcus Arroyo and that staff to work through. So I think UNLV still has... Tons of work to go. The work's been done in San Jose. They can go to 2-0, and uh, they now have an opportunity to do that because they beat Air Force. Uh, they now have New Mexico. Uh, the game is being moved from Albuquerque to San Jose. It's the first time since 1987 San Jose has ever had a chance to go 2-0. The problems in Albuquerque have more to do with practice there are all the COVID problems there, or allowing them only to practice in small groups, and you know there's not the same sense of urgency. I bet to get on and play and get that going there at New Mexico. Much different situation, I think, and how they're organized, and you know they took some criticism, I think, unfairly. That uh, when you look at what happened with Colorado State and New Mexico, and that game being postponed, that Colorado State didn't try harder harder to figure out another way to play a game or play New Mexico somewhere else and all of that. I I just think the issue is is as much to do with the fact that they can't even practice so how are they going to play a football game there at New Mexico? So they've got a long way to go and they must have put that together to be able to practice enough to travel to San Jose but uh, they can't even risk playing at home for all the challenges. This is another lost season Uh, for the Lobos who are going to take at least another year uh, to turn it around. Well, we're going to turn it around here, Kingdom of Pod, and take a much better look at what it takes to beat Air Force for Boise State. They've struggled there in Colorado Springs a time or two, but it really comes down to what the defense does. And I'm going to bring on Tom Mason. He's a former Boise State defensive coach. He was also the interim head football coach. And talk to Tom about defeating Uh, This Air Force uh, attack, something that he's faced as a coordinator before, and he's played other triple option teams as well. But stay with me because Mason's going to talk about why Boise State's defense is not necessarily the key to beating Air Force. And he'll tell the story about how Mason went so far as to try to get Air Force's offensive attack banned in how they played it at the NCAA level. Former Boise State coach Tom Mason has joined us here on the Believe uh, Boise State Kingdom of Pod, and we've been talking about the Air Force game. And, Mace, you were with Pokey from 93 through 96 to remind us all uh, in Boise, and, and then you've coached at Fresno and SMU and Hawaii and UTEP, and I, I know you're now living in post-fall, sort of waiting for your next assignment. Uh, but in terms of defending you know Air Force I think you've got some experience I know specifically when you were at Hawaii with Norm Chow and then I know you've def- you've defended other schools that traditionally run this or something similar to this triple option T- tell tell me a little bit about your history of of dealing with this kind of offense
1: well I think really where I first ran into it was we were playing Pittsburgh State when I was Way back at Portland State, we were in the semifinals of the of the Division II playoffs, and they had a running back named Ronnie Moore that rushed for 300 yards on us in the, wow. in the triple option offense, and uh, uh, after that, it really kind of got my attention that you, you got something here that you got to defend, and, and and it's different than anything you, you normally do, and then you know, through the years, like when I was at SMU, we played Navy. They were in the conference later on, but we played them almost every year. And then like, obviously the, at Hawaii, we played Air Force. We played Air Force when I was at uh, SMU also. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I got to UTEP, we scheduled Navy every year. So, uh, I mean, uh, Army every year. So it was uh, – I've seen it a lot. It's a whole different uh, – uh animal you got to start dealing with it back in, in fall camp and then you've got basically got three days to totally prepare for something that you're never going to see again and yeah the one thing i always said at smu is we had to play navy and then turn around and play houston the next week <laughs> and uh, you know you go from somebody that may not throw it the whole game to somebody that's gonna throw it every down so uh it's really kind of a coordinator's nightmare but uh you know, it's just something you got to deal with. Uh, you know, you try to tell the, the athletic directors, just don't schedule them. But you know, when they're in conference, you got no choice. So,
0: <laughs> what what about the the variations of the scheme? Because I was looking at—I know you dealt with Army, who may run this sort of spread option where, or or flex, where it's not a true wishbone in the backfield. They'll put those two backs up closer to the line of scrimmage and then they put him in fly motion and all that nonsense and, and Oh yeah. Of course uh, um Mace has a basically a, a, a traditional run zone run scheme and and they run so much dive and then they they basically pitch it all the way out to the sidelines at times and then they throw the football so right we all look at it and have all these variations of it you look at it I'm sure so differently so how do you characterize what Air Force has done we don't know what they're going to do but how do you characterize what their offense is
1: well what you got to do is you got to look at it in the terms of and simplify it so the players can understand it and it really comes down to when they say triple option it's there's three phases. You got to take care of the dive, the quarterback and the pitch and your defense has got to handle that on every situation. And then, like you said, the trouble you get is then they start putting motion with it. They start putting, you know, guys in different positions and then they'll throw the dang thing. And that was the hardest thing about Air Force is they were pretty effective throwing the football where uh, a lot of times, Army and Navy, they stayed more traditional, uh, that flex bone Paul Johnson stuff. But if you, your kids have got to stay very, very disciplined. And then the hardest thing too, is the way they block it. Everything's down in your feet. They're cutting you all the time. And I, I remember a kid we had, he was a, a, dra- a high draft choice and he just flat about second quarter said, I'm not playing in this. I, I got an NFL career and these guys are down in my feet all day and i don't need to lose a knee so you know if you got a lot of stuff to deal with on it and really you got three days everybody said oh you got a week to prepare well there's no way you got three three uh a week to prepare you got three days and then you can't duplicate that offense with your scout team i mean it, it's impossible so uh, yeah it's it's uh it's some there's some real challenges to it and yeah. I remember the last time I went against the air force when I was at Hawaii, I don't thought they're still running the ball.
0: We never did stop. them. So that was 58 yeah. to seven. And I guess it was a pretty costly loss for Hawaii in more ways than one. Huh?
1: Oh yeah. I mean that, that cost Norman's job and Norm was a great head coach, but, uh, you know, um, you know, the other thing is there's no way you can duplicate that offense. And, uh, it, it can get away from you. Um, like I always tell the kids, the, the speed of how they execute it versus what you see in practice isn't even close. Mm-hmm. And then you know you don't want to cut your players, you know, legs all week in practice. So you come up with things like throwing bags at their legs and stuff like that that you think is going to help. But I'm not sure it does. I mean, it's a lot different when somebody's cutting you with their body than it's throwing a damn bag at your feet. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: A whole lot of a whole lot of things for it, but uh, let me ask you this, yeah. Mace, Let me take it in a position group fashion. I was looking at Boise State's defense against Air Force last year, and they had some success. They had a huge game from one of their defensive tackles. A couple of Moa had great big game. Uh, Louis had a big game. And when you – it seems like, Mace, when we look at Boise State playing three down and then they walk up their stud defensive end and he's in a stand-up, so they'll basically come with four guys on average at the line of scrimmage and then three or four guys behind them. And those are variations, right, of linebacker dude, right. your heaviest nickel-type back or whatever you want to call him that you could put at the line of scrimmage. And And then it kind of varies all from there. But let's start with the three guys down – And their responsibilities, and why it's different in their responsibilities, just in their read and their run keys, than it would be, you know, as for was for the way it was against Utah State. What's so different here?
1: Well, yeah, what they, you know, those three down guys, you you really start like I talked about earlier with the three responsibilities, and usually the the down guys are going to have the dive, so they've got to squeeze that that defensive or that offensive lineman so that he doesn't get immediately up to the linebackers and then they're really going to probably run the, the, what they call the option off of him. So if he squeezes and takes a dive, then the quarterback's going to pull it. But then what you're doing with those guys and you got three days to do this now is that as that guy squeezes down, he's got to take, we always talked about, we always, the first two days, we took the ball away. We never even practiced with a football so everybody was just executing their responsibility but now if the if the dive play doesn't come to him then or it comes inside like so you get your tight your defensive end or your defensive tackle his first thing is the friction he's got to take the dive and then you can get split dive and you can get a, a lot of variations off of it but he's got to squeeze his man one of the things that you'll notice that the service academies all play a three, four defense. And there's a reason for that because they've got to defend that thing in practice. And, and uh, so those guys got the dive and they've got to squeeze that and make sure that guy doesn't get up to the, to the second level and cut the linebacker. And then the quarterback's reading off of them. If they tackle a dive, then he's going to pull it. And the next guy outside of that defensive tackle, which usually an outside linebacker type or that guy, you were talking about standing up that stud in, he's got quarterback and then either your safety or your linebacker, the scraping's got quarterback to pitch. So you always try to gain a half a man on the option. So you got a guy that's got dive quarterback pitch and he's that, that's usually your linebacker. And usually your corners, if you can, and that's what makes air force so hard is the dang uh, corners are usually man to man, but then you got to change it up and you got to play some cover two, And then they've got all the play action stuff off of it. And, uh, you know your safeties have really got to be totally involved in the run game first and air force so multi-dimensional that they're they're pretty effective at throwing the football so um that's really it's assignment football from the front on down and if one guy blows an assignment all of a sudden it's loose and the thing you always talk about in the room is you gotta stop the dive first because those guys will run that inside dive if they're getting three, four yards a shot. Fourth down mean or third down means nothing to them unless it's third and ten. Mm-hmm. Then they're in a world of hurt. But uh, you know, it's uh, if they can run the dive, they just run the dive the whole game. So and, uh, when it
0: comes to that, Mace, when it comes to the dive responsibility, and if I'm playing I'm scale the Gihan, I'm in a three technique over a guard and he takes my inside shoulder. Well, I'm going to squeeze him down. That's always my responsibility. But what happens? Do I start getting antsy, and once I'm squeezing him down, watch the quarterback and think he's going to pitch it and let my guy go, and all of a sudden I'm playing pitch, and he hands it to the dive, and we're screwed? Is that, was that what gets guys watching that, the wrong things?
1: Yeah, that happens, or they'll come up with another blocking scheme. That's different. We always call it, the, they'd have a zone blocking scheme, and then they'll have a veer blocking scheme where all of a sudden now you're squeezing that, that, that tackle down, or you're squeezing that guard down. Mm-hmm. Then the tie all of a sudden the tackles blocking down on you and they're taking that dive one gap farther out, or then they'll, uh, they'll lead with the running back and the quarterback will come right in behind him. I mean, they've got some schemes to it. So uh, it's really not that complicated because those guys you know they're they're academy guys and usually not going to the pros and they really want practice about an hour and a half so they keep it real simple for those kids and and they're just banking on it they're going to wear you down and you're going to make a mistake and then they've got about five different schemes and you don't have time to practice all that stuff you just can't get good at it and you're not going to get that look
0: what about the linebackers and you spent so much time coaching linebackers it seems to me that when you don't have contain you get guys that are biting on 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 action play action reverse action and all that cross buck and some people call fly sweep you got linebackers flying the wrong way because they want to make a play and it comes up inside of them they're the guys to me that take a four-yard gain and make it 14. And maybe I'm wrong. Or what? when you coached your linebackers, what were their keys? How were they different for this game?
1: Well, they're not really different on it, but you're trying to clue like the on the quarterback when he opens up, you're keying the guard to that side. I mean, this is getting pretty technical, but you key the guard to that side, and then – you're scraping and depending upon what you're getting on a blocking scheme, we always talked about if there's a daylight there, you have to take the daylight. So if, if there's a hole there, which would be open if your defensive line wasn't there, but, uh, you've got to take that daylight. And what happens to them is they get their eyes wrong and they start chasing misdirection they'll chase that motion. You know, how they'll do that fly motion up and, and all of a sudden that guy will become the pitch back and, and uh, they start getting their eyes wrong. And then all of a sudden they're tackling the dive where the defense tackles got to dive, or if you change it up and they've got the dive and the tackles got the end, they <laughs> tackle the wrong responsibility. And then all of a sudden, like you said, and a lot of times it ain't a 14 yard gain a lot of times it's about 25 because they really can't run. They're not that fast, but you'll run them down. But Oh my God, sometimes it's 20, 30 yards right up the middle of your defense and you know, the head coach is looking at you, and you're like, hey, you know, it is what it is. Go yell at the AD. He's scheduled, them. So.
0: <laughs> so, so I know the defensive backs are like the last line of defense. They get play action to death. We got balls running over their heads. When it came to managing your guys at halftime or when you had a little more time to talk to them and they've given up 200 yards rushing – how do you keep a kid emotionally committed to this? Well, you, you talked to me about a kid that was looking at the NFL. It's like, I'm out. Uh, that's difficult. So what are the challenges here?
1: Well, most of the time, your DBs are man-to-man coverage. And, uh, you know, like you said, when if they get beat on something, it you know, we always talked about, and, and, and this is an all football, is one snap and clear. I mean, you can't worry about what just happened to you. You got to move on to the next play because – they sure don't care what's going to happen. And there's uh, whatever the clock is now, 35 seconds, and they're do- going to do it again. And hopefully they're not coming right back at you because you just give up a long touchdown. But usually against that triple option stuff, you're playing some form of man defense. And where Air Force used to be re- really a-, a problem at times is that when they had a really good receiver, and a quarterback to get the ball to them, because sometimes you just got a bad matchup. So... Now, you, you know, you try to change up, play a little zone and help that kid out. But, you know, to defend the triple option, you can't sit in zone very often, and play zone coverage. So, um, you just, you know, they got to clear their mind and go play. So, and sometimes, like you said, like, well, and like I said, is it can get away from you. I, I think one time against Army, they came in, they were really motivated when I was at UTEP. And they put 70 on us and we never did slow them down. So, uh, I never worry about the scores in those games. The, the other thing that really helps you in those games is that the offense can get a lead. Usually if the offense can get a 2-3 touchdown lead, you want to make those guys do something they don't do, and that's throw the football to try to play catch-up. And If you can get a lead on those guys, uh, a lot of times it's hard for them to, to play catch-up football. In fact, it's almost
0: impossible. Yeah, I've seen that. So what you're saying really is the big key is if you can get up by two to three possessions, they know at Air Force they're in trouble. That's not their, so their forte. And I've also seen, uh, Mace, where at Boise State there was a problem with the offense throwing the football every down like 60 times and the defense was going against Air Force, and they're in this offensive slugfest, and the defense runs out of gas. Nobody's taking time off the clock, and it's like the offense has to think about the defense. Is this that one week where how you run your offense really can help or hurt your defense?
1: Oh, totally. And, you know, I've never been a guy. I coach with June Jones who doesn't, you know, his whole philosophy, just give me a turnover and – And we'll win the game. I I don't really care what you do on defense. And it's uh, the offense is critical to me in those games because uh, time of possession is going to be huge in favor of the academy school, Air Force, or, or whoever. And if the offense can control the clock and give your kids a rest, and you only have to defend, say you have to defend eight or 10 series, that's a lot different than... Offense going three and out, three and out, and you've got fifteen to twenty series you got to defend. That's when they get away from you. So, uh, to me, a lot of it, you know, football is the epitome of a team game. The offense has got to help you out. They got to control the clock. They got to run the football. Uh, they got to, you know, five six minute drives. Really, if you can do that, you got a chance to beat them. If if you don't, and you're playing from behind you're in major trouble because they love to get a 10-point lead on you. You got trouble if they get a 10-point lead because they'll just control the clock on you.
0: So when it came to keeping your guys fresh, Mace, Boise State right now for this game may have a, a an injury or two, really, that we don't know about yet. It could be Tyreek Jones with initial scale Gihan like who's a D lineman, a critic, their best D lineman maybe, and another starter, Jones, a, a defensive back. But you need almost every guy, right? I mean – do you want to go six or eight snaps and then rotate? Or how do you come up with that? And how many guys do you ideally need here?
1: Well, I think you got to have at least two deep because those guys are going to get wore out. And then the other thing is it's a, it's a battle on the insides. I mean, it's true between the tackles. You see the, the pitch, but when you really watch an option team, <clears throat> how many times do they want to pitch? you know, they, they're only going to take the, the pitch if you give them. So it's a between the tackles, physical football game, and especially guys up front. And that's the one thing we always dreaded is we always lost a lot of guys. Mm. And it was to knee injuries mainly because they're cutting you every time. And uh, that was one of my complaints about uh, the academy schools. And I tried to get the cut block taken out of football, but – they always had enough guys on the rules committee that, that they were going to let the low block stay. And, and uh, you know, they, they went back and forth on how to do it. And uh, you got to have a whole, yeah, I would say at least two, two and a half deep because you're going to lose some kids. And then, you know, you always got the kid that's not, that, that's just not going to play. He's just, Hey, I can't do this. And uh, I don't like him cutting me. And I mean, what do you do? You got only so many guys. So I <laughs> it's not a fun week for a coordinator in fact to me that's our well i hated that week
0: well that's why you're in post fall is about ready to go wet a line you don't have to worry about (laughs) that now and uh, i sure appreciate your perspective mace it's always good talking to you about that all right let's pivot now to the boise state air force game coming up saturday that'll be in colorado springs and break that down and we'll start with where everybody wants to start when you start discussing uh, Boise State Air Force game, and that's with the Boise State defense. And first off, let's see if the Gihan and Tyreek Jones are going to get back on the field. I think that's critical. Um, one thing I've seen and, and felt over the years is information regarding injuries have become essentially classified documents, you know, and you're not going to get that kind of information from any coach really in college football is that if a kid disappears from the game like scale did and Tyreek and I don't recall either of those guys being helped off by trainers and really gimpy uh, I like the chances of them getting back onto the field at some point and that means it's not a season-ending injury uh, I even like their chances to get back the next week uh, looking at when Uh, At least in Scales' case, he went down. I think it was a second-quarter injury, and the game was pretty much in hand, and coaches have a feel for that. So uh, those are better signs than not. So so just as I read into it, that's how I would say – what I would say about it is I like the odds. But as Coach Mason just said, you know, you you need your two-deep available. And so Boise State at the defensive tackle spot needs scale healthy, Matlock in there, Cravens. Uh, Oba Sherry, uh, somebody who got some playing time as a J.C. transfer, he got a sack. Uh, Freeburn, uh, these, these guys have to rotate quite a bit, and uh, they need everybody in all hands on deck because if it gets to be a tight game, which has happened several times, and uh, they're taking a lot of snaps on defense, those guys can get gassed, especially with all the things that the air force academy has to throw at you including elevation and all the rest of it but what kind of air force team is going to show up i saw a press conference that coach calhoun had on wednesday where he said that uh, his two uh, starting guards who were out last week against san jose state uh, he claimed they didn't practice today so uh, he said they could practice tomorrow and still play but he he said as of now he was saying that he, he he didn't think anybody practiced i don't know that i trust him so just forget that. But if you you were down two starting guards and then uh, you lost your center in the second half uh, and then Ramsburg, the tailback, had to go out with a collarbone injury. I don't know if it's broken or not, uh, but that's a lot of firepower that that offense was missing against San Jose State. Last year's quarterback is transferred out with an issue that he had off the field. So Hammond's gone. Uh, the new quarterback is nowhere near as good as him. Uh, So there's a lot of smoke screens, and I don't know what's going to happen, but I I would say if they line up with the group that ended the game against San Jose State, they're in trouble. I think they're in trouble uh, offensively. I I would think that that's not going to be enough uh, to get it done. Boise State defensively, if – Air Force is firing in all cylinders. It's going to have to have a huge game from somebody. Last year it was Louie, 16 tackles last year. Maybe it needs to be Wimpy or Noah. Those two kids had 10 tackles apiece against Air Force. And Boise State last year defensively held them, Air Force, to 100 yards lower than their rushing total. So it was a great game. And I think Boise State has enough uh, motivation to get it done against air force just going there motivates this group because of the adversity of the losses that have taken place in colorado springs for boise state boise state's offense hey they got to get air force down early that would be a lot easier game more the better earlier scores the better because you make them one-dimensional and they have to come back throwing the ball that's not their game and if they keep having 12 and 15 and 16 play drives, and they're down three scores, there's just not enough time on the clock. So last time uh, Boise State played, the last two times they played, the game went into the fourth quarter, so that strategy didn't work. They had to grind it out. In 2017, it did. They got up early and hammered them. So if time of possession can be an asset for Boise State and their run game can be there, it'd be huge, as Coach Mace said. If Boise State has the ball, that means Air Force doesn't. And if they go three and out on offense, that puts your defense back on the field with 16 play drives and you can get worn down. But if I'm Air Force, I'm looking at Boise State's offensive line and saying they're coming to the left side. That's where the strength of the team is. So they may overload it and prove that Boise State can beat them on the right side of the line. Uh, strategically though, I'm not probably gonna change much offensively. It's too early in the season for that, But uh, I think they can hit them on deep balls, and they've done it before. And so that comes down to the defensive backs for Air Force, their safeties. Uh, they gave up a 52-yarder last week. Uh, looking at what Boise State's done before just last season, C.T. Thomas, who was quiet last week, can come up big this year uh, like he did. He had a 36-yard completion uh, in Albertson Stadium last uh, season, as did Bates, a 28-yarder. So these these types of uh, – stretch plays, guys that can stretch the defense, they're not going to be speed burners in the defensive secondary. So I'd say that's where I think Boise State could really exploit Air Force. And if those guys are injured on the O-line, I think they could really take it to them. But I don't count on that happening. I think it's going to be a motivated group. I like Boise State, but I'm uncomfortable giving them 14 points. I think they'll win by 10. 10 points, say, somewhere in the neighborhood of 34 to 24. Okay, that's going to do it for the Kingdom of Pod, Boise State Football Podcast here on the Believe Network. Thanks to Tom Mason, Carter, our engineer, the music from Dan Leibowitz. Please subscribe to the pod at iTunes. If you get the hang of all this podcasting, you can subscribe there and you know how to do that. Please review it. Uh, that's critical to get more people to listen. Pass it on to Bronco fans. Tell them it's what you're looking for. Uh, you can also sign up on my website just to have it emailed to you every week. Uh, go to kingdomofpod.mailchimpsites.com and sign up there. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger